Chapter 7 I'm here investigating the death of your landlady, Anna Maria Ippolito. Julia left us alone and closed the door behind her. Rosario pointed at one of the leather chairs in front of her desk. Sit down. Excuse me. I said, sit down. Her tone was sharp. She pointed again. I crossed my arms defensively. I think I'll stand, thank you. She smiled sardonically and folded her arms in kind. Very well. I ignored her and plunged into my line of questioning. Did you know of any problems Anna Maria may have had with anyone? She shook her head. I know of no one. Was she a client of yours? A client? For a moment, her iron facade cracked, and a moment of panic crossed her face, then disappeared. Yeah, a client of your accounting firm. Of course. Yes, yes, she was. The eyebrows arched again as she regained control. But we seldom saw Miss Ippolito, except on a quarterly basis. Why a quarterly basis? She paid her taxes every three months, so as to lessen the financial impact when April 15th rolled around. As always, Anna Maria was sharp with her money. It's my understanding that Anna Maria had a bit of a side hustle that was pretty lucrative. Do you have any idea what that was? She smiled again, slowly. I know she worked a second job, but I'm not at liberty to say what it was. Look, you and I both know I can't legally compel you to show me any records. Only a cop with a search warrant can do that. But would you tell me if she was involved in anything illegal? I would. And what Anna Maria did outside of being a social worker did not violate any laws. Okay, I'm going to be blunt with you, Miss Dawson. We all know that social workers don't make shit. But Anna Maria traveled, every year extensively, and took her sisters with her. Her house is filled with fancy souvenirs from all over the globe. From what I saw, her rental properties wouldn't fund all that. Her family, her sister particularly, is concerned that whatever she was doing would tarnish her reputation in the community. Rosario smirked. I would think that her clients would be concerned about that as well. I remembered the coded notebook and how someone had trashed Anna Maria's bedroom to find it. That somebody was probably the person who killed her. Somebody who was very concerned with what the police might find. Whoever it was, they were scared enough to take the chance to break back into the house after the crime scene was cleaned up. Don't tell me she was a call girl or a hooker. Rosario threw her head back and laughed. No, Mr. Fitzhugh, she wasn't. Then you know what she did. Yes. But you won't tell me what it was. She stepped closer to me, her lips to my ear. Her perfume made my head swim. There was no tenderness in her approach. I felt no urge to gather her into my arms. I knew in my gut I was in the presence of someone who, if given the chance, could hurt me. As a cop, I'd been in enough situations to know I should listen to that instinct. I don't know why. She was an accountant, for Christ's sake. I slid my hand closer to the Glock inside my shoulder holster. Ah, you do feel fear, don't you? I thought as much. I turned my head to face her. Her lips were inches apart. Her brown eyes sparkled devilishly. She was enjoying this game of cat and mouse. Tell me what Anna Maria did. 
I'm not fucking around. She stepped back from me and smiled. We all have secrets, Mr. Fitzhugh. Some of them are darker than others. Let's just leave it at that, shall we? Now, if you don't mind, I have to get back to work. I pondered the encounter as I made my way back to the excursion. I appreciated powerful women. Gracie and Alicia were each powerful and confident in their own ways. It's part of what drew me to them. But Drayton's power didn't come from her profession. Something dark resided in her soul. But was that something connected to how Anna Maria died? I wasn't sure. But I didn't like what my gut was telling me. Marco was sitting alone on the middle school steps when I pulled up. How was your day at school? I've been sitting here for half an hour. School gets out at three. He tossed his backpack into the back and flopped into the passenger seat. Rainbows and unicorns to you too, sunshine. For your information, I was trying to find out who may have killed Miss Ippolito. That seemed to make an impression. He was silent as I looked into the rearview mirror and pulled out into traffic. You taking me back to your house? No. I've got to go back to the office for a little bit, then we'll head home. Besides, you think I'd trust you in my house all by yourself? I gave my word to Miss Linnerman I'd keep an eye on you. He made a disgusted sound and sat silently until we arrived at the office. Mary Margaret greeted us as we came through the door. Hello, who's this? She smiled at Marco through her braces. He scowled back at her but didn't speak. Ah, uh, Fitz, uh, Mia Zetkowski came back. She has the mayor's schedule for you for the next two weeks. He's been speaking to the Rotary Club about the income tax increase on the May ballot, but he told her he wouldn't be home until at least midnight. Uh, Looks like I'll need a babysitter tonight. You available? I don't need no stupid babysitter. Until I am no longer your guardian, you do. There's no way I'm going to leave you on your own. Mary Margaret, where's this Rotary Club meeting? She shoved the paper at me. It's on the schedule. I motioned for Marco to follow me back to the office. I pulled up a chair on the other side of my desk. Sit down and do your homework. He threw himself dramatically into the chair. I ain't doing no homework. Had my sisters Katie or Chrissy been there, it would have been what they called a teachable moment. They would have spoken about the importance of a good education and respecting your elders and blah, blah, blah. That kind of patience was the first on a long list of reasons of why I wasn't a parent. I wanted to grab his collar and lift him off the chair, but Alicia's voice in the back of my head told me not to. Fitz, he's a boy, not a perp. I took a deep breath. All right, I've had it with the fucking attitude. I'm the adult and I'm in charge until you get further notice. If I tell you you're doing your homework, you're doing your homework. You got that? He stared up at me defiantly and then slowly opened his backpack. In a few minutes, he had his math book open and a pencil scratching across a piece of paper. I turned my attention to Anna Maria's journal. It had to be the clue to what was behind her death. I opened to the page where I'd been working. And there it was again, the code. L-M-X-O-X-A-T-K-K-B-L-H-F. Who are you? I tried substituting one letter after another. Tried to figure it out. Nothing worked. Nothing came together. She seemed to be rotating the alphabet. 
but I tried substituting B's for A's. Didn't get anywhere. What if the first was a C? Uh, no. U, V, Z, R, Z. What about D? Again, a strikeout. Hmm. Were the duplicate letters vowels? It could be possible, certainly. But which was it? O or E? Before I could figure it out, my desk phone rang. It was Carlotta. Fitz, I heard something you need to know about. Her voice quavered. Yeah, what's up? It's my other sister, Vivian, Sophie's mother. Her last name is Jachi. I think she's involved with someone who might know something. What makes you think that? She was silent for a moment. Vivian is divorced. She dates a lot of different guys. Some of them are kind of creepy. I've told her a million times she needs to find a nice guy, someone to be a good father to Sophie, but she's seeing this guy. I think he's mafia. Why do you think he's mafia? You know, the gold chains, the big stinky cigar, the extremely limited vocabulary. You mean he drops a lot of F-bombs? Among other crude words, yes. I rolled my eyes. Apparently Carlotta was a bit of a prude. Look, just because he says fuck a lot and looks like Tony Soprano doesn't mean he's mafia. It certainly doesn't mean he's involved with this murder. Why do you think he could have killed Anna Maria? Vivian told me she overheard him say something that scared her. Like what? She heard him talking on his cell phone about a job and that he'd gotten it done. Hmm. Can anybody prove he was in Fosterville the night Anna Maria died? I don't know. More than likely it was nothing. But if I ignored the possible lead, I might regret it later. Okay, I'll talk to her. And him. I scrolled down Vivian's cell phone number and said goodbye. I put the receiver down, picked it right back up, and dialed a new number. It hadn't even rung once before the other side picked up. Yeah. Potato chips crunched in my ear. Gus, I need a car. Oh yeah. Who are you going after this time, Fitz? The Pope. Sure. I got a minivan. It's high mileage, just a little rust, maroon, automatic transmission. Yeah, perfect. Bring it on over. AM, FM radio, CD player. I just need it for the night. I'll have it there in half an hour. Great. I turned back to Marco, who had finished his math homework and was now reading a dog-eared copy of a book about a kid named Percy Jackson. For once, my temporary charge looked like a kid. Not some street hood. Totally absorbed in his book, the hardness and the pain of his life that had been heaped on him was gone. If only for a while. For that moment, I wished Gracie and I had had kids, and then immediately reconsidered. Uh, she was in her forties when we married. I was in my early fifties. We were both too set in our ways, too focused on our careers to make time for a child. Besides, I was too rough around the edges for any kid to come through childhood unscathed. The way I'd been talking to Marco wasn't right. I knew it, and he knew it too. But it was just as well, I guess. He looked up briefly at me as I stood up from my desk, and hostility flooded back into his face. What are you looking at? I smiled at him. Couldn't help think that if we had had a kid... I'd have more to remember Gracie by than just her cello gathering dust in the corner of my office. Nothing. Nothing at all.